podcast listeners, welcome to episode 16 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the troublemakers, and the unconventionals in Singapore. Try to see things how they see it and to learn from them. Some of these individuals include Danny Wong, who started the Million Dollar Cupcake Empire, Betty Lee, who at the age of 60 went backpacking around the world for 400 days, Lolik Ping, and a whole lot more. So today on the show, we have Adrian Pang. He's an artistic director, actor, host, and also the co-founder of Pandemonium Theatre Company. Adrian has won Best Actor Award at the National Live Theatre Awards and the 14 Asian Television Awards. He has appeared in numerous local and international films, including Forever Fever, The Caracate Conversation, Unlucky Plaza, Black Hat, and the list goes on and on and on. He also co-wrote, produced, and starred in Six Weeks, which aired on now-defunct company MediaWorks in 2004. Just before I continue, if any of you guys actually can get your hands on or know how to get your hands on Six Weeks or Forever Fever, please give me a shout out. I uh, love to watch them. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Agent Pang. All right, Agent, thank you mm. so much for taking your time out. No, really for looking me. forward to this interview for my ego to take a bashing sitting next to this good-looking... <laughs> for my ego to take a bashing, you mean? Just a sec, so you have walked quite a journey you know, with this acting career, both in the local art film and Hollywood movie. And you also started your own uh, theatre company, which we'll talk about Pandemonium, with your wife Tracy, who is the artistic director, and you being the wingman. So mm. welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So with every guest that I have on the interview, I always like to find out about their secret origins story. And I read that you were born in Malacca, in Malaysia. Yes, I was, yes. Yeah, how would you describe your childhood? If you paint us a picture. Goodness, um, my very vague memories of... Um the first few years of my life in Malacca were, you know, trips to the beach, fooling around with my older cousins, uh, my, uh, my granddad, who I'm told I was his pet, um, you know, sitting on his, his, his pet dog, he was just sitting on his, 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 um, his shoulder, shoulder uh, going across the road to eat uh, chicken rice, with those chicken rice balls, uh, eating... Uh, <laughs> What my mum affectionately calls he gel bihun. What's that? He gel, he gel, he gel. It's like it's some a... kind of thing, la. Okay. <laughs> some kind of dumpling noodle thing right. by the beach. You know, um, I mean, it was, it was a very happy childhood. Um, you know, living in my grandmother's rather scary house, uh, which was one of those old long, deep houses, you know, uh, the shop, shop house type things uh, with, I, I swear, the, the, the toilet from hell was in the back of the house in this, this, you know, no flushing system. And I was always terrified to have to go and, you know, take a dump <clears throat> in, in, this, in this toilet because it was dark, it was smelly as hell. And, and I, was, I was afraid, always, always afraid I was going to fall into, <laughs> into, the, in, into the, literally the bowels of, 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 hell. of hell and be taken away by the, the man. The man. The man. 
the mysterious man. So is it a is it a, one of those wooden uh, atap? No, it was it was, okay. it was it was it was a, it was a shop house uh, okay. on Jonker Street, which is you know now now very touristy and everything. Uh, oddly enough, a few years ago, I was f doing some filming in Malacca and decided to go and try and revisit this house that I grew up in. And I walked down this house and oh wow, walked down this this um, on Jonker Street and oh yeah. It's kind of vaguely familiar. It's all, yeah, it's all kind of coming back to me. And then I saw sitting at the at the at the gate of one of these houses, this little this statue of this little black boy, okay, whom I remember as a child always being quite terrified of because. Because it was a shop house, the, the business that was on the front of the house was uh, an, an, an antique dealer, which had nothing to do with the household. They were just renting the front part of the house to conduct their antique business. And there was this, <laughs> there was this statue of this little black boy with a cap in like a school uniform, kind of sitting there going, I just, like that. It was sad. It just sat there for years, I swear. And I'm not surprising because who would want to buy this statue of this boy like that and have it in the house. And this boy was sitting at the front of this house still. This is like, my goodness, 40 years later or whatever. This is, so it's a statue back then. It's statue back still then. Attached 40 years later, it was still there. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's still here. This is the house. This is the house I grew up in. So I knocked on the door. And uh, this lady came up to the door and I said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be creepy or anything, but um, I, I grew up here. I was, uh, you know, I, for, I was, I spent my first four years of my life in this house. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I moved away and I've come back and, and I just thought if you'd be kind enough for me to visit and come and take a look inside. And she said, yeah, yeah, okay. So I went in and it was all cluttered and thought, oh my goodness, oh God, it looks so different. I remember the staircase being over there, but it's over there now. Wow, it's amazing. And I went into the house of oh God, everything's changed so much. Oh, wow. Ooh, ah, ee, ah, ooh, nostalgia, nostalgia. Thank you very much, auntie. I went back and called my mom. Hey, mom, I, vis I revisited, I revisited um, no, number five, Jonker Street. She said, why did you go to number five? We lived in number seven. And so much for nostalgia. <laughs> So but that, that, that explains the staircase. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Did you even went back to number seven? No, I didn't. I didn't Just bother. to, you know, maybe be more nostalgic this time. <laughs> oh, my little black boy was the... the yeah, and you, were, and you were almost there. You were there till only four. Is oh. that what it is? And then you came to Singapore. Yeah, and I moved to Singapore. Um, and then I spent the rest of my time um, growing up in Singapore. And then ACS. Yes, yeah, I went through the, yeah, the whole thing. Um, which um, which which um, primary is that? What was okay, the system back actually, then? Actually, yeah. I I went to um, Canehill Primary School. Yeah, Canehill Primary School. Um, did my six years there. Did my PS PSLE there, and then after that, I got into ACS secondary. And a couple of, a couple of years after I I I, I finished at uh, Canehill Primary School, the school closed down. Obviously, it couldn't survive without me. It, clo it closed down. Yeah, I know. And Actually, then, the other school too, Arts International. Yes, it did. Yes, yes. I know, I know. I, I, I leave these places. We, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and ironically, Cane Hill School eventually became ACS Junior. No. Yeah, it became an Anglo-Chinese school. So you went backwards. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, like, it was trying to catch up with me. 
Yeah, something. how how was uh, how was the the Cane Hills? Is it a Chinese school? Or no, no, no. It was it was just a regular kind of government run school. Right. Uh, it was a you know co co-ed school, small small. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was it was good. It was it was. I had a very happy time in uh, Cane Hill. Uh, you know, made some really good friends there. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was yeah happy times. God, this is the seventies. You know, the good old bad old days. So it was um, it was nice. And you know, being I suppose quite new to Singapore, and um, you know, it was it was a bit of a. Uh, Every day was an adventure, you know, as a kid. Um, I was a bit of a sort, so I, I, I always kind of studied real hard and tried to top the class and all that kind of nonsense. Oh, did you? Uh, I did, I did. I was a bit of a, that kind of a kid, a bit irritating. Um, and I would like, like beat myself up if I came in second in class or something like that. You so, know, yeah, I was pretty sick. And was, did, were you, so will you attribute that to your parents or was it just you being competitive? I, I, I would have to be honest and say I have to attribute that to my, to my parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, um, they, my mom in particular always was the one to, to kind of make sure that I, you know, uh, hit the books and did as well as I could. And, you know, it instilled me with some sense of um, striving, I suppose, but maybe, maybe to my own detriment, it 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 um, kind of um, made me feel like if I fell short of those expectations, then I was a failure or something like that. But what what was the narrative that that she was telling you? Because to to strive for. There was all these these uh, scare stories about like if you don't study hard now, then later on in life you're going to be a nothing kind uh. of thing. Um, I suppose you know. There's a. There's I wonder a where did where did they get their story from back then? Because what well, they themselves, or maybe mm. they are looking uh, at others as, as maybe role maybe you know, and, and perhaps there's also the kind of very old fashioned um, conservative Asian thing of you know must um, must save face mm. kind of thing uh, cannot. Um, Oh God! I mean, you know, it, it's. Um, I mean, that, that's why, in a big, in a big way, it's it's kind of had an impact on how I have raised or been raising my two sons. Um, perhaps to their own detriment, I've been very kind of laid back about never putting pressure on them. You know, them having to take responsibility for themselves and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see, you know, as a parent, you just kind of, you just whack. You, you know, there's no script, there's no, you know, you just think you know what you're doing, but every day you're just kind of making it up. And, you know, my parents were doing the best by me, you know, as far as, far as they, they knew. Um, but yeah, so Cane Hill and then, and then ACS and then... Uh, How would you describe um, the character of young Asian? My goodness. Um, when you're growing up, you know, during those times? I suppose, um, uh, cheeky, uh, mischievous, clueless, <laughs> um, insecure. There we are all. Very much like the way I am now, really, to be honest. I haven't, I don't think I've changed that much. Um, 
I think I, I, I certainly was much more of an extrovert as a child than I, than I am now. Um, used to be the, you know, at family gatherings, I used to be, yo, life of the party, come Adrian, come and entertain us, type of thing. Uh, which that I've certainly grown out of, um, but, um, but um, yeah, you do you do that a lot in your job now. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I don't do it <laughs> now. I see my my, my my aunt wants me to enter now. I said, well, how much how much is it going to cost you? <laughs> yeah, it's like the chef who always get caught to cook, and then it's like, come on, man, you know, I cook the rest of give me a break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like that, and or or, or doctors who at you know social functions. People always come up to them and say, "Hey, you know, I've got this pain here. So can you can you?" you know. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of occupational hazard, I suppose. Yeah. And is, are there any like um, mischievous, rebellious story when you're young that you know could characterize you? <laughs> Too many. I, I do. I do recall one occasion. This was in Malacca um, when, for some reason, <laughs> I don't know what it says about me, but. I, I was <laughs> I was playing with my mum's lipstick. What was that? Wasn't what was I doing? I don't even remember. I was playing with my mum's lipstick, and it broke. I don't even. I think I was using it to draw something, you know, on a piece of paper, and it broke. And I was like, oh crap! Um, and I had to. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? Do I do I try and like hide it? Do I do I, do I lie? Do I? Oh, I guess I better go and tell my mum. <laughs> okay, go confess. But my mum was on the phone. <laughs> at the time, and I was like, oh, but I need to tell her now, I gotta tell her now, oh, okay, maybe I should wait. Oh, no, I gotta tell her now, because oh, the guilt was just killing me, and I was like, and what I did was, this phone here, interestingly enough, she was on the phone, Same I, phone. I hung up for her. <laughs> I actually used my finger and hung up the phone so that I could tell her what I'd done straight away. Of course, just hanging up the phone while she was on the phone, Already got me into deep shit and become into big trouble. So why did you do that? I'm telling her. And then I had to go and tell her what I done with the lipstick. So not very smart kid. Who grew up to be a not very smart adult, obviously. But um, I think you did the right thing. You think? I mean, I, I, <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right. I would think that your mom would be proud of you. Well, I remember that I, uh, what did I do? I, I was, there was a science experiment. Or was this one of those books that you have one-on-one -on -one science experiment to do? And, and, and there was this one, how do you make a sting bomb? And I remember like, just peeing into a, a, a bottle. And, <laughs> and then what you do is that you, you, you have your matchsticks and then you cut the top and you put it all in. Oh. Uh, and, and you're supposed to just let it wait for a week, right? I, so I put it at the garden, and and then when you, then I forgot all about it after a month. I came back. I was like, and and oh yeah yeah, what's this thing? How, how's the experiment going? So I went went to take the. Well, it smells really bad. So what do you do? I don't know. What am I gonna do? A stick bomb? Obviously not gonna throw it in my room. So I I, I put it in a super soaker because I have a super soaker, and and who do I shoot it to? Well, my neighbor! Of Great course. Oh. Of course. Of course, right? And then oh there you go. God. So that was. The, yeah, well, the, the story ends with me getting a, a round beating, uh, running around. <laughs> and it was one of those bizarre, like, beating cases where I, I just get chased around by the cane and I just end up hiding in, in the, under the kitchen table. Ah, uh, good old and, days. Yeah, and you, you don't know what you're doing, right? <laughs> There's no explanation. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned your, your rebelliousness and your character are both uh, a flaw and you know, a, a lucky charm that has contributed to your success. Why, why do you think that is so? And is there any befitting story that sort of could 
describe that? We can fast forward. Um, uh, to be honest, I think I've always, at every stage of my life, felt like a little bit of a <clears throat> of a misfit and uh, that I never really thank you for parking belonged away. Oh, um, right, right till now, you know, I I I I I don't particularly feel that I fit into any um, social group or uh, a c- c- tribe or a clan or whatever whatever you want to call it and and even through the years uh, even in the closest um, of, of friendships uh, closer closest um, groups of, of, of friends and and I've been you know lucky enough and blessed enough to have had you know great f- friends through my lifetime. Um, I've always felt a little bit of uh, of an odd, odd one out um, in one way or another. And and that, I suppose that that and it, it it used to kind of get me down a lot of the time. It used to. I used to kind of long for a, a sense of belonging, I suppose. Um, but it's only maybe in, in the last um, few years that I've kind of uh, reconciled myself to the fact that, hey, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just, it's just my, my, uh, <laughs> my calling and my fate to be ever so slightly different or ever so slightly strange. Um, and I've kind of given up trying to make people accept me or understand me or whatever. You know, it's just too tiring and there's really no need, I, I, I don't think. Um, I'm lucky enough that what I do as a, for my, as, as a living <clears throat> um, enables me to just kind of escape being me for a little while um, and, um, and I don't feel, I, I, I think, I, I don't feel, I feel more at home when I'm kind of inhabiting somebody else's uh, skin or, or life for a while. Um, I feel more at home and more, more grounded, I suppose, some, somehow, um, when I'm able to do that. So, you know, for as long as the, the, the forces and all the elements allow me to do what I do, I hope to be able, you know, I hope I, I never have to retire because it, it's, it keeps me, keeps me sane. Um, not to be precious about it, but but without it, I, I would have gone mad a long time ago. I just never cut out to do anything else. Well, <clears throat> why why do you think like you don't fit in or you don't belong? And I ask this because sometimes I feel the same mm. being uh, Singapore being square. And I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to compare myself being good or better or ahead or, or lower than people. But that I I can't describe it. I don't know if you could take a step at describing why. Don't know. Um, I mean, uh, and even actually, even in my saying that I, I I would never claim to be. Oh, I'm the only one 
to feel this way. I mean, as as you know, by by your admission as well, you 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 say you you kind of identify with that, and perhaps it's safe to say that every single individual, in 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 a certain way or to a certain extent, will feel that kind of sense of um, um, I don't know whether it's isolation or alienation or, or just like hmm. Sense of displacement, I suppose. Do you think it's because of the difference in the worldview, or maybe it might be positive, <clears throat> negative? Because I, <throat> I'm for once, I never talk to people who complain. Like this is this has been right now my rule. Never what? Never, never talk to people who complain. Who complain? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, I, 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 I can just think of people who have way worse situation right, than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And and yeah, so yeah. I, I, I take us, uh, yeah. So that for me helped. Yeah. Um, yeah, is yeah. there, I mean, if you could pinpoint, is there anything you might think attributed to it? Mm. I mean, to, just to your point, I think, yeah, I think self, self, self-pity and whinging is a very unattractive quality in, in, in anyone. Um, and sure, you know, if you come and share a problem with me, I can try to empathize and if there's any way to help, I... I, I I will, but um, um, hell, everybody's got problems. Yeah, everybody's got problems. You know, everybody's got problems. It, it, we just we just have to to accept that. Um, hell, the world is a big, weird, wonderful place made up of seven and a half billion very different individuals with seven and a half billion different personalities and needs and and fears and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know who, who am I to say somebody else's uh, um, um, worries or insecurities are not valid it's no I think that just also because um, by us admitting to the problems goes to show that it is more than just us and you know when we, we can talk about it other people mm. uh, might find strength in knowing that they are not alone and yeah. Truth is, if if any problems out there, it's usually we are not alone in be it you know, sure. suicidal or depression. Yeah, yeah. And along the years, what are ways you you try to cope with that? Because you you two went to to London. Did do you feel that you fit in? I went on my same journey. I went for a gap year uh, to the US, mm-hmm. um, and after that, you start a company and found a wife. Um, how is that? Do you manage to confine or how do you manage to solve that sort of displacement, sense of displacement? I think, um, I don't think, I don't think I've, I've, I've solved it. But by no means do I think I've solved it. I think, I don't think I ever will solve it. And maybe, maybe that's something I, I've discovered that, hey, you know, if that constant state of displacement is, is, is going to be there, then I might as well just embrace it. And just go with it and try and make the most of it. Because, uh, you know, if I see it as something to fear, or I see it as, as the enemy, then, then I'll constantly be, be living in its shadow. And I don't want it to beat me, I suppose. I mean, I'm 51. And hell, you know, life ain't getting any easier. Or uh, uh, I'm way past my middle age already. So, so... Life is short, man. Life is short. You just, you know, with whatever's left, I, I, just, I just hope that I can live it meaningfully 
and to live in in, in fear or in that kind of uh, constant uh, on the back foot, um, you know, it's no it's no way to there's no way to exist, I suppose. So so um, being being grateful, I think being grateful is is very important, and and and. By nature, I know that I'm the glasses <clears throat> half empty. Not even that. It's, I'm more the who the hell took my glass <laughs> kind of guy. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so it's it's been a huge uh, uh, thank you challenge for me to just try to to hold on to the good stuff and always be appreciative of the good stuff that you have in your life, as you say. People who complain, I just, right? It's just very hard to bear. So I've 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 tried to n tried to not be a complainer, I suppose. Um, sure, there are things that I I would be happy to bitch about and whinge about, and 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 the things that I want and crave and covet and all that kind of stuff, which which when I find myself in that place, it makes me feel horrible and ugly and yuck. Um, so I'm just trying, trying, trying to live. Trying to go into the light, because um, you know I've I've I know that my nature is to tend in to dwell in the shade, and you know I've gone through stages in my life where oh just just it's dark and couldn't couldn't see a way out type of thing, and you know being a being a dad becoming a dad was a huge huge turning point for me because. It, it, it kind of gave me give me a kick up the ass and thought and, and made me think, okay, you know, I, I need to live my life a different way. Um, so that was that was huge. It was huge becoming a dad, and uh, I, I dare say my my two sons keep me going. They make they have made me and they constantly make me want to just just change myself. Mm -hmm. That's great. I'm so thankful for my kids. Yeah, I wonder um, do, because you you spoke about um, being grateful. Do you have a a, a, a gratefulness practice? Or? <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm I'm not. I mean, I was brought up. I was brought up in a in a in a Christian family, uh, uh, but but um, uh, I'm you know it's been years since I've gone to church on a kind of regular basis. Um, and, um, but I still, I still, um, I still pray <laughs> and I make sure when I pray, it's, um, not just to ask for things, whoever it is that I'm praying to, okay, whatever God is listening and it's, it's a lot of it is just a psychological thing. Um. I, I make sure I, I thank as well. Something good happens, something, something that I've been ho wanting or hoping for, working really hard for, falls into place. I say thank you um, to whoever it might be, whatever it might be. And I say this only because, like I said, you know, uh, I'm not particularly religious, but, but whatever forces are out there that are seemingly <laughs> making the world turn, um, I don't know. I just feel I, I just, I just, I just want to acknowledge that. Um, 
Yeah. My, so as you can see, my, my grasp of <clears throat> the uh, a higher being or a higher power is very, very tenuous and very vague. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I mean, I'll just underscore what you say because I, I don't think you, you need to um, necessarily um, connect um, a gratefulness practice with um, a religion. And in fact, um, I think a gratefulness practice is very uh, practical because uh, firstly, like you just said, uh, people who complain, no one, no one likes people who complain. And when you complain, you're in actually in this like lower uh, state of being where you don't find solutions. Mm. And just to take yourself out of that complaint mood is, being, is, is the whole gratefulness practice. Mm. And when you are grateful, you are not um, fearful. Mm. And that's AKA Tony mm. Robbins. <laughs> yeah. And so if you can take yourself out and prime yourself in, in the state of, of just uplifting stage, you might actually find a better solution mm. and, 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 and hence, you know, move on, get out of your problem faster yeah. instead of dwelling on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> AC, AC, ACS, Anglo Chinese School, you started there, and then mm. subsequently ACJC. Mm. Um, which actually, by the way, is also the same year where Dada Asian, Adrian Tan. Adrian Tan, yeah. Author of. Uh, do, do you guys know each we other? We were classmates. No way! We. Okay, so Adrian, Adrian, Adrian. Adrian Tan, uh, <clears throat> lawyer extraordinaire and, and, and yeah, author of a teenage textbook. Adrian Tan, Adrian Wang, who is a psychiatrist, and myself were classmates in secondary 3A in ACES uh, secondary. This was back in 1982. <laughs> were you guys good, good friends? We were, but yeah, we were the three Adrians were the three Masketeers. humble makers who were oh. sitting in a corner at the back of the class. Um, you know, suffice to say, um, uh, the, the, the other two Adrians were higher achievers and I was kind of very, in sec three, because I discovered theater and I discovered girls, I, it just, my grades just fell behind so quickly, like the overnight. Whereas, you know, they, they had the wherewithal and the, the good sense to, to keep their grades up and, you know, they're, they're very high achievers now, obviously, you know, and they're very <laughs> prominent. Um, um, members of our uh, community, um, but yeah, Adrian, he's, he's a funny guy. Funny, funny guy. Um, he used to just even when no, even then, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. even, even with back then, he's smart, really smart, and clever with words. Um, and um, yeah, we we got on, we got on really, really well, three of us. Did you did you did you enjoy your study in AC? Um, I did. I mean, like I said, my my my. Maybe not my, the studying part. Well, that's the thing. You see, my kind of like overachieve, overachieving um, mindset carried on into secondary one and two in ACS. And so, um, I kind of rose up the 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 grades um, in ACS uh, in sec one in sec two because I was in like sec one J and then for what it's worth and then two. I, I worked my ass off and did really well in the exam. I got into sec two B, and then next year I thought, okay, I'm gonna get to three A, and I did. I got into three A. Nice. It almost killed me, but it got into three A, and then uh, and then after that, I think I was spent. I was like, I got nothing more. I got nothing more to give. Oh, look, girls. 
<laughs> that was the end of it. That was that was that was a nail in the coffin. Um, and then theater as well. Like I said, Sec three, I did my first school play, uh, and I was hooked. Theater plus theater that had girls in it. Oh my goodness! That was the end. That was that was that was me done. Um, and my grades just took a plunge, and uh, oh, you know, obviously it had a terrible effect back home. Um, uh, and you know, being a you know grumpy, surly teenager didn't help as well. Um, so yeah, my so my teenage years, you know, were, at, at, you know, were, were kind of buoyed by you know good friends. And um, you know, messing around and you know, doing plays. Um, but you know, and a lot of this is my own fault. My my you know my my relationship with my parents became a little bit strained. I have to say, stopped going to church at fifteen as well. So all you know, so they were like, "What? Oh my goodness! Look at your grades, and you're spending all this time." around on stage and talking about girls all the time and you're not going to church with us ah my god the world is ending so um so that was a, a huge um and we could see plunge. where it was now yeah well <laughs> exactly look at me now mm, disappointment <laughs> <laughs> through and through and and what what made you fall in love with theater then. Well, other than the girls' part, because you know, I, I, I think the I, girls I, at the know. time were and still is okay. a big thing. <laughs> um, I think, as I as I alluded to before, the, it was the discovery of being able to escape um, into another world and uh, pretend to to be. But that's not what, how else. you found theater. I mean, how you found was was because of of girls, or you tried a whole bunch of other things. No, no, no. Um, it was kind of, uh, yeah. Okay. This, the whole thing about being slightly a, a misfit was a lot of my friends uh, in my secondary school were all very sporty. Uh, they were squash players and football players and, 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 and rugby players, whatever it is. Um, but I was just a bit of a... Uh, uh, um, um, Artsy. No, no, not even that. I have never, I'd never really d discovered that quite yet. I mean, I always loved literature, I loved reading and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at that time in Singapore, there was, there was no theater to speak of really, nothing to go and see, certainly. Um, so this whole thing of discovering it was almost by, by accident uh, and for, for want of something, something to, to do, to distract myself, because I was already starting to be a little unhappy um, and then the the school announced uh, auditions for a, for a, for this for this school musical, so I thought, oh, that, I don't know anything about it, but for a laugh, why not? And Adrian Tan was going to audition as well, so I said, oh, let's all go and go and have a laugh together. And uh, he got a he got a role, I got a role, and I was like, oh, okay, what have I got myself into? Okay, yeah, the, yeah, it could be fun. And so yeah, we just we I just went into it just uh, for a laugh, really, and just. Just a way to um, distract myself from my my terrible grades, and also, you know, I suppose I wasn't already not very happy at home, so it was an excuse to stay away from home and you know go to rehearsals and that kind of stuff. Um, 
Well, like I said, all, all this, this is not to cast any aspersions on my parents or anything. They were, they were loving, loving parents. It was just me going kind of wayward on my own. Not um, at all. I think our, uh, yeah. you know, Asian yours. parents teach us the, the discipline. Uh, mm, yeah. I think even, even acting, I, I'm sure when you go to gym, I don't know how people do that, to, to bulk out or to slim down. Oh, God. And it's, it's, it's a process. Discipline, yeah, discipline, yeah, it's a very different, hard thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and London, and after that, straight away, you went to, 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 to how do you pronounce that? Kiel. 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 Yeah, University of Kiel. Kiel. Um, in the 1990s. So why London? Why law? And, and how, how did Kiel end up? Because I did so badly in my A-levels. Uh, and I did badly in my A-levels because, like I said, still spending all my time rehearsing and acting secretly uh, without my parents' knowledge, although I thought it was without their knowledge. Of course, they would find out. Um, and girls and girls and girls in theatre and girls in theatre was just my absolute downfall. So I did so badly for my A-levels that the only way for me to continue studies was to be banished from Singapore after my national service uh, uh, and to be made to do a foundation course uh, in any university that would take me because NUS wouldn't. Um, but that's how, that's how bad my grades were. So, um, and, and to do this foundation course in order to then take a proper degree course after that. So I did a year's foundation um, in Kiel, where you basically study every damn thing. And then after that, the idea was for me to progress on to, to taking law. And that was so, all an arrangement by the that was, that was, mom? That, yeah, that was for me to... Okay. But she didn't pay, pay all for, that bad that pay for my after, sins. After. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was you know... Hell, it, it was just the next phase in my life, really, and and um, it's it's something that that you know I'll forever um, owe my parents for for giving me that chance to continue my studies there, uh, because even then, also after I'd done my four years at university and in my final year of studying law and psychology. It suddenly dawned on me that, oh, I'm doing law and psychology. That means, does that mean I'm going to be a lawyer? Wait, but did oh you choose God. law or law was well, You went on the premises of doing a foundation yeah, and learning foundation. everything. And th yeah, yeah. And then, and then from there, I think it was always a kind of understanding between myself and my parents that I was going to go and study law. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do and psychology. Do the psychology, the psychology, because it was a, it was a university that where you had to take a double major. Oh. Yeah. So I had to take law and something else, and I thought, oh, psychology, don't know anything about it, but it looks like there's minimal study. <laughs> so that's the one I'm going to choose. And it was fun. It was good fun. It was good fun. Um, and I, you know, I learned something which I suppose I kind of kid myself that I'm kind of in some indirect way using when I'm doing what I'm doing now as an actor. And uh, tell me the inner dialogue you had when you decided to give up law in your final year. I think the inner dialogue was very simply, if I pursue this, then this is, this is the, 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 the long dark tunnel, another long dark tunnel that I'll, I'll be going very reluctantly. And the alternative is what? What do I want to do? What do I love doing more than anything else? Acting. Um, so I never had any ambition through my whole growing up 
um, as a child, through my teens, uh, even through um, my national service, or even while I was studying law, it was, I was always kind of shoving it to the, I don't want to think, I don't want to think, I don't want to think about it, I don't want to think, I don't want to think what's next. Um, but, you know, at that threshold of graduation with a law degree, I thought, oh, wow, this is the point of no return then, you know. Because if I really want to pursue this, I'm going to go and continue to take the bar exams, you know, pupillage, trying to find an uh, internship, whatever, with a, with, a, with, a, with a law firm. And then, wow, and it scared the hell out of me. I thought, wow, okay, is that really what I want to do? No. No. Is there something else that I really would rather be doing? God, yes. I have no concept of how to, to embrace it. But this is what I've, I've loved doing for most of my you know, uh, formative years. So I had to break the news to my parents. How did the conversation oh, 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 oh. Was, oh, on a, was it on one of those payphones? Yes, yes, yes. Did you put coins in them? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, a lot of shouting, a lot of tears, a lot of drama. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it had to be done, um, as painful as, as, as it was. And, and I... Uh, appreciated then and I appreciate now how heartbreaking it must have been um, for my parents to know that they had invested all this hope and, and finances for me to be a hotshot lawyer for it to sort of come to nothing really uh, so I have a lot of guilt I have a lot of guilt <laughs> guilt is a, is a big motivator in one's life um, and um, so I had to convince them that, you know, this was, it wasn't going to happen, this law thing. And that what I really wanted to do was to, to, to be an actor. So um, I somehow managed to convince them that I would take uh, one more year at Arts International, which was a kind of postgraduate, uh, very intensive kind of acting training up in Yorkshire. Um, so that's what I did. That's what I did straight after graduation. Um, which my parents very kindly came and attended at Kiel. Um, after that, I went straight to, to Arsenal National and spent, spent a year there. Training wow. to be an actor. I would... I read this on the internet that, that you, you once had zero in your bank account. Um, I, I don't trust the internet, so I just want to do a fact check with you. Did that happen? God, I mean, as an, as a, as an actor, this was uh, through the first, first couple of years, I suppose, as an actor. That was um, after you graduated. Mm. Did mom help with that? You mean with the... Uh, School? For that year? No, I paid, I paid oh. it for myself, yeah. Just working the just the working way, yeah yeah in fact yeah waiting through, tables yeah yeah that kind of thing oh. through through the, that that year at Arts International, um, but you know once I finished with that and then and then went and kind of launched myself at the mercy of um, the, the the industry in, in London, it was you know trying to to survive, going job to job. Um, and, and yeah, there were lean times. Gosh, I remember, I remember, you know, finishing a gig 
in kind of October and then not knowing when the next gig was going to be and looking at my, my, my bank account and going, how am I going to pay my rent for the next couple of months if I don't get a job soon? And literally kind of breaking down and crying because I was that, that worried that I just wouldn't be able to feed myself. You know, and it was all my own doing. It was all my choice because I decided to make this, this take this other direction. Um, knowing, I suppose, full well that it was going to be a life full of insecurity and, and um, um, occasional work if, if I was lucky enough. Um, but that was the only thing I wanted to do you know so so thankfully through the the nine years that I worked as an actor based in London I was never out of work for more than three months amazingly I managed to always kind of get a gig and I get and then oh nothing oh, and I get another gig I used to I, I used to have this um journal of of my my, my employment I would write down the date that I went to audition, write down the date that I heard from them, whether it was a yes or no, write down the date of when I started the gig, write down the date of when I stopped it, just, just as, a, as a chart, so I could see my, my employment history. And I look back at it, actually I probably have it somewhere still. Um, I look back at it you know, some years after, and I go, hey, you know, I've done actually okay. Sure, when you're in the middle of an, a period of unemployment, you, it, it's like the world's gonna end. Um, but actually I did okay. I managed to survive and buy a house and start a family and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I did okay, you know, could have been worse. I mean, I met a lot of actors who were out of work for years, years. I mean, I did a, a TV thing with this, um, wonderful actor, Andrew Rajan, who, um, after that, after that gig, he didn't work for about three years. You know, he was, he was painting houses, he's a good actor. I mean, 95% of actors are unemployed at one time in the UK, 95, and this is like, you know, the hundreds of thousands of, of actors, and by the looks of it, a lot of jobs, I mean, yeah, the West End, off West End, TV, you know, film, uh, these are the 5% of actors working at any one time. So just to try to be in that 5% as much as you can, Fighting against uh, the ninety-five, right? The, the, yeah, the ninety-five. Fighting against all kinds of you know prejudices about color and type and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was it was um, challenging to say the least. Yeah, I, I would I, I would I would think. I mean, especially when you think that you can go through those time and when you actually really look at your bank account and. Man, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, there were some dark times, but then, then you get the job, the next job is, is a heave a sigh of relief, you know, just to, just to, just to work. And do you, when you get a job, do, do they front load you with like some money to per diem? Or? Oh, that kind of stuff. Um, well, I, I, luckily I managed to get myself an agent quite soon. After my second job, I, I, a theatre job, I, you know, basically, God, it was early days. Typing out letters on an elect, elect, electric typewriter. Oh my God. 
electric typewriter, letter after letter after letter to, to 50 over agents to say, hey, you know, I'm doing this show. Will you, I'm looking for representation. Will you come and see it, please? So then maybe we can have a chat about blah, 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 blah. You know, you send out 100 letters. You're lucky to get back 10. And you're lucky if two of them are vaguely interested. And if one actually... Uh, makes good on their interest and actually turns up, you're very lucky. So <laughs> I was fortunate enough to get uh, uh, get an agent um, after my second job. Uh, so what? That's basically their job is to, in theory, to try and look out for jobs for you. Um, in in the UK with TV, uh, TV jobs, commercials, um, they got this wonderful system of uh, uh, repeat fees. And residuals, so meaning uh, the contract within the contract is uh, is an agreement that you will do your do your job. They will pay you, and then if 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 there's any repeats uh, on, on 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 TV, or if they sell the the rights to broadcast the program to another country, you get you still get paid. So I'm still receiving checks for things that I did, you know, 20 years ago, um, which is fantastic. Singapore, of course, nothing like this exists. So you just kind of have to deal with it, really. Um, but yeah, so it was a whole, yeah, it was a whole different world. Yeah, I think the, the the starting part seems like the hardest part, right? Once once you you're out there and you <clears throat> if you manage to find an agent, then life is not that gloomy. Well, you know, I think certainly, you know, speaking from my 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 experience, it was always still living hand to mouth. And a lot of the times I would get um, uh, job offers directly and then you still have to hand it over to your agent for them to kind of try to negotiate it somehow. Um, but it's always hard. It's mm. always hard. Mm. I mean, you mm. know, I think there are certainly different levels. Uh, um, you know, you want to talk about your Ryan Gosling's or... Or, yeah. or, or Benedict Cumberbatch's. That's a whole different other strata where you know they've 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 paid their dues and they've now at a at a, a phase of their careers now where seemingly it's a self it's a self um, 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 motivating self um, generating circle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, always the first uh, big breaks. Um, I, I guess in, I, in that, in that kind of, I mean. I mean, but 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 right, keep, right. keeping it completely real here, no, no. you know, for 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 myself, it certainly has been always trying to generate work for myself. Find always trying thing. to, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, when I was uh, Forever Fever, Forever Fever released in nineteen ninety eight. Great film, though. Although I have not watched <laughs> it, I only saw the trailer uh, yesterday. I need to get myself on those films. And what well, that's you, and then there's you being Bruce Lee. And then there's you dancing disco. <laughs> so you know, were you were you a disco master though in that no, era? No, no, no. Because no. I, I didn't I didn't saw that like dancing was part of your repertoire for hire. No, I. How, how, how do you end up with that? And you were in the UK, and, and then this is in Singapore. I mean, I, well, yeah, this was still during the period I was I was living and working in in the UK, and um, um, Glenn Gui, the director, I had done a, a, a theatre production for him um, in London. And then, in fact, that production was subsequently brought to Singapore and we performed it here. And we were just kind of 
at that time he was he was wanting to to you know break into making films. So we're just bouncing ideas off each other, and he said, "Hey, I got an idea for for something you know, set in the '70s, and you know maybe there might be something in it for you." And so yeah, yeah, sure. So when he when it finally came to 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 reality, he he, he said, "Hey, you know it's going to happen, and we want to bring you back to Singapore to film this thing. It's got disco dancing. It's got kung fu. <laughs> Can you do either?" No. Okay. Fine. Great. I guess we'll have to try and somehow somehow uh, train you up then. So yeah, you know, it was it was it was hard work, you know, learning all the dance and faking some kung fu. Um, but um, yeah, we filmed that in kind of four or five weeks in a very hot nineteen ninety seven. Um, came back just to film the thing, and then I was back, and in, in London I was released the next the next year. Yeah. I wasn't even in 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 Singapore when I was released here because I was because I was working in in London. I couldn't make it back for the premiere. And did, um, did you did you did you take dance lessons or? Yeah, yeah, I had to take lessons specifically <laughs> for, or specifically just to to learn the choreography for the film. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had to learn very specific moves. <laughs> for the film, it was very stressful. And side note for folks who and me who wants to get my hands on the film, how 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 can one find it? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know legally or illegally. Or? I mean, I'm sure I I I'm sure you can stream it from somewhere. <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> and why why then move move back here? Why then move your home base okay. back um, to to Singapore? Because in the year two thousand, my uh, second son, Xander, was born uh, hot on the heels <laughs> of his older brother, who was only born 16 months earlier. Uh, so, Zach was born May 99. So, ooh, how happy father, all that. Uh, uh, and six months, when Zach was six months old, we discovered that we were going to have another one. It was like, ooh, ah, ooh shit, what? This was, this was uh, Christmas of the new millennium. Just before the new millennium, we discovered. Um, um, that we were gonna have another another child, so I was I was in, in a bit of a shock. It's like what the hell? How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, so I was kind of reeling from shock for for the for the whole nine months that he was you know making, and then he was born in September two thousand, and all of a sudden I had two kids, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is serious now, you know, fatherhood big time. Um, and I was still working consistently, but the the concern of my life, okay, wow, okay, I really have to step it up now. How to best take care of these two boys, you know? Not just, you know, it's a family, it's like a family, a real family now, you know? You know, husband, wife, two kids. Oh, wow. Um, and so we thought, okay, maybe we should move out of London where uh, property prices are not so, not so expensive, also a safer environment for the kids to, to, to grow up in. Um, and then, uh, that was, so we were actually house hunting in uh, the suburbs of, of London, so at least uh, work and all that. And then all of a sudden a phone call came. <laughs> a phone call came while I was on a film shoot <laughs> in Oxford. Um, in uh, in a in a film called um, Spy Game, uh, name dropping here with Brad Pitt and and Robert Redford, it was um, it was a Tony Scott 
directed film. Uh, we spent, I spent one week in uh, filming in this abandoned jail in Oxford that was pretending to be a, a jail in, <laughs> in China. Uh, um, so they got, I don't know, I think they got, every, they, they rounded up all the Chinese takeaway owners yeah. <laughs> to be prisoners. <laughs> um, and um, I remember being in my trailer and receiving this call from Singapore. I said, hello? And it was one of the producers at uh, this new sta TV station that mm. was starting up called MediaWorks. And they said they were recruiting. Uh, they, 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 they were looking for, for producer come performers. Would I be interested? And I was like, well, this is ridiculous. Why would I want to move back to Singapore? And then I thought about it. And I thought, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't just brush it away so, so easily. Went back, talked to Tracy about it, talked and talked and talked. And at the end of it, we said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's, it's a way for me to... Um, continue doing what I'm doing, albeit, you know, in a new, in a new form. Um, and at the same time, have some job security for a little while where I would be able to look after this, this family that I created. Because that's a full-time contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay, we negotiated back and forth. Um, and they really wanted to seal the deal very quickly, so there was no time for me to even think about it very much. They really wanted to know, yes, yes or no. If yes, then we want you to come back in three months. That's oh god. Okay, okay, fine. Let's just do it. If 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 we find that it's not working out, we always gave ourselves the the escape clause to go back to to London. So that's what we did. Signed the contract. Three months later. Sold car, sold house, sold furniture, everything, packed up the whole shebang, came back to Singapore, started a new job, and then in 2001. Wow. With a four-month-old and a, and a year-and-a-half-old. Um, so, yeah, it was straight in the deep end, you know, not really knowing what the hell I was doing as a producer uh, on a nightly show, you know, a nightly live show. Um, part, of the, part of the excitement for me was doing live TV and doing something I'd never done before, writing, you know, producing, just being, uh, you know, that side of creative um, um, work. Um, plus also, I, I, I love the idea that this was this Rebel Alliance splinter company that had broken away from, <laughs> from the evil empire um, and that was trying to shake things up a little bit and do something new and just give the industry a little bit of a, of a kick up the backside. So I love that, that kind of rebel misfit uh, 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 vibe suited me just fine, you know. So, so yeah, that's what we did as, as MediaWorks. The, the, we, we, you know, we struggled for three years before the whole thing imploded and the government stepped in and went, hey, look, guys, you're killing each other. This is not going to work. We gave you a chance. It's not working. So let's have a merger. <laughs> a merger. Which is basically a takeover. Uh, acquisition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was a dark day. I remember that dark, A lot of tears. Because, you know, just when we felt we were making some progress and some headway and starting to steal some eyeballs, 
and do some interesting programming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they shut us down. Were you yeah. were you part of the stakeholder um, in Media Works? In as much as with a stakeholder as in, uh, I, mean, I was an employee. I was, right. an, I was an employee. Right. I mean, the, the the stakes really was more emotional and mm. and and than than anything else. And like I said, you know, it represented a way for me to look after the family. Um, um, some work I some of the work I, I enjoyed, some I hated, but hell, for me, it was work. It was work, you know. Um, and like I said, the 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 rationale behind it was that we're, there's a bigger the bigger cause and uh, the bigger picture is that we're trying to make a difference, you know. And right now to, you're at this point where you're 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 the bread, sole breadwinner for like three mouth, uh, in the in the. Hey, you know, right now you're doing a lot right now. Oh well, no, then. Oh, at, at that time, well, yeah, yeah, because Tracy had Tracy stopped working for a little while. Yeah. Uh, to to you know look after the boys. Um, um, but a, a few years after we resettled in Singapore, she went back to, to theatre as well. Mm. Um, and she, um, she, till then, she'd been stage managing, production managing, um, um, doing lighting design. But when she went back to, to, to theatre, to doing theatre when we were in Singapore, she, she joined um, Singapore Repertory Theatre as an associate artistic director. Um, and she started their, their children's theatre wing called The Little Company. And it was very successful. She started writing uh, scripts for them, started directing shows. Uh, so she found her whole new uh, niche and a whole new life for herself. Because so like Tracy Pang, you know, Mark II kind of happened back here. Um, so she's... She started flourishing, really flourishing in her, you know, it's like a second wave uh, of her career in theater. And, you know, it was great. It was great for her. Whereas for me, you know, struggling in this little TV station and then it, the whole thing falling apart and then the whole takeover. And I mean, like I said, being grateful, I didn't lose my job. In the takeover, 80% of MediaWorks employees were given the sack. Uh -huh. I was one of the lucky ones who managed to, to keep my job and just segued into this under the so all of a sudden I was in the Death Star. And that was also the time where, where you uh, were, I don't know, was it filming or the six weeks or was it showing? Six weeks was the very last MediaWorks um, production show that I did. Um, it was um, something that was very close to my heart because my, my, my boss at the time, Mr. Man Chu Sam, bless him, great man, um, at, at some point uh, kind of called me into his office and said, okay, Adrian, do you have any ideas, anything you want to, you know, as, a, as, a, as an actor, what do you want to, or you want to just, just bounce ideas off me? So we said, well, actually, I've had this idea. So, we, we, so from there, he encouraged me to, to, to go and uh, create this thing. So me and the the uh, the head writer of, of MediaWorks at the time, Li um, Lee Lin, um, um, we put our heads together and created this little mini series, a six part mini series about a guy who's um, who's got six weeks to live, and basically is about how how he lives these six weeks as meaningfully as he can, um, and um, ironically, um, actually. 
God, it was strange because on the last day of filming of that, we got the news that six weeks was going uh, that 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 MediaWorks was going to close Be down. Taken, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sad, very sad, very emotional, very, 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 um, very sad. But, 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 so that, that production kind of has a special place in my heart for me because it was the very last one. It was something I had created. Uh, and the, what's behind the story or the heart of the story also meant a lot to me mm-hmm. about just kind of making the most of your life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after that, I was kind of whisked off to do, you know, 100 episode. Channel 8 dramas, which nearly killed me. Um, but it was work. I always just looked at it very pragmatically. It's work. I'm still employed. Be grateful. Um, so, I, yeah, I stayed on. I stayed on for another few years before. And you wrote, you co-wrote Six Weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you still write these days? I have a yearning to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, um, having had the privilege to work on exquisite writing uh, in, in, in many of the plays that Pangdemonium has, has produced. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't even dare to pretend that I could, I could craft something close to that. Uh, so, you know, can I leave it to the experts? I, 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 there are some stories that I would like to tell, but... Um, I have to kind of make myself, convince myself that yes, you know, and I'm the only one who should write it, kind of thing. But um, maybe one day. <laughs> and <clears throat> I guess since while writing that uh, whole play of six weeks, do you gain any valuable uh, lesson on how if you were to have six weeks, you know, what, what, what would you be doing? My goodness me. Um... I think there's probably some value in, um, I mean, I, I, I would like to think I'd be able to live the remaining of my, my life. If I, if I was told that I have six weeks to live, I would hope that I have the, the strength to live it joyfully. Um, and that when I finally go, it'll be kind of like a, like a celebration of of the good stuff rather than oh, well, you know, um, which is which is, I mean, you know, twenty sixteen as as we know, you know we 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 lost um, many kind of. Um, um, Icons in in pop culture and in, in uh, literature, uh, who who whom for many people you know were very special in their lives, um, and sure you know it's easy to go oh my god he's gone but but I think what what's been really uh, uplifting is to how people choose to celebrate these people's lives with with the work that they've done and it's in a in a truly in a celebratory spirit mm. you know um so so live live joyfully i guess yeah live joyfully and it, like i said for me my two boys being in my life has made such a huge difference to how i live my life mm. um, um 
I almost, you know, center my life around my family. Um, almost, I would almost <laughs> say that my, you know, work, work, can take, work can take second place. I mean, work is very important to me because, like I said, I, I, I cling on to it just mm. for sanity and for survival. Mm. But uh, it would mean nothing without my family. Mm. Um, Do you think that your acting today is, is, is much better than you were before? And if so, you know, how do you think that is, it is better? To be honest, um, I think just growing older um, teaches you some lessons. Um, meeting incredible people through you know, your work uh, who, who, who live lives that you couldn't imagine and go through incredible struggles that you couldn't even fathom or um, really humbles you and really teaches you lessons. Um, I think now at, at, at 51, I'm more open. Uh, I'm more vulnerable. I'm certainly more emotional. My, my wife tells me so. I can sit down and listen to a song and just and just be a mess. I can be driving in a car and listen to a song for the first time, and it it, it will touch me in a certain way, and I will be sobbing. Um, and that that's something that I don't know. I suppose just um, being willing to allow myself to to feel more. I suppose, mm. um, and I in, to 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 an extent, I think that has helped me. Um, um, in you know some of the roles that I've had to play, mm -hmm. just uh, just being open, you know, and being being. And what is your in touch? Um, you know, when you get when you get an, a role to play, how does your research process looks like? Um, Comparing now than, and now and before, I think right now I'm just much more grounded, uh, and, and I just want that that curiosity. Yeah. Rather than just going and reading books about it, which is valuable, and sure, the internet is a is a is a is, there's a wealth of information or misinformation you can glean from that. But actually, just meeting real people and um, having them tell me their stories, and, and and just trying to just trying to find a way into their lives, um, and a lot of it, I will also. Just try to find a part, I suppose, a part, a part of myself, uh, inaccessible as it might seem to be, that I can connect with the role. Mm. Even the I mean, I'm, uh, I mean uh, a couple of years ago, one of the shows that Pang Moon produced was um, was a play called Frozen, where I had to I had to play a, a, a pedophile serial killer. Um, and it's based on a, a real character. <clears throat> it was, uh, it was, it was harrowing to to have to sorry. No. It was really harrowing to have to inhabit this um, character for the for that time because. He's just, um, he's like a 
hollow shell of a human being whose um, uh, whose own uh, whose own um, childhood was kind of destroyed also because he was a victim of abuse himself um, and it kind of turned him into this monster who would um, abduct little girls and abuse them and then kill them and um, and so you know, I did a lot of research in, 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 into that and read a book about this, this particular man that he was based on, this character was based on. And um, um, I mean, at first, when we, when we decided we were going to do this play, at first, I, I never, never thought that I'd be the right person, right actor to, to, play, to play the role. But, but when it came down to it, I thought, you know, I. I as alien as this character is to me, and I've no no concept. I've never, uh, I've got no contact with anybody who's like that. Uh, um, so it was a, a bit of a scary place to to go to, but you know you have to go there every night, just going there, just going to this really ho horrible place. Um, but it teaches you a lot. It, teaches, it certainly taught me a lot. Um, um, so I think you know certainly the you know the, the the many of the roles that I've played have has 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 enriched my life and and me as a person in 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 countless ways I, I could never have learned from anything else. And how would you translate just reading a book to being in that person? You know what is that you know, steps or if there is a process? Um, I, think, um, every, I think every actor will have his own process yeah. and, and, and certainly for me there's no one way to attack any role mm -hmm. you know, or any different genre of, of performance or mm -hmm. uh, film or TV. Or, um, but I think part of it is, is using some imagination and using some some of your own uh, liberties or license to to create something um, out of uh, uh, real life because real life I mean you know can be very strange it can be very dramatic but then to be able to then translate it onto the stage of um, there has to be just a little you have to kind of shake it up a little bit more I suppose I'm speaking very vaguely right now but um, um, I think being, like I said earlier, just just being able to kind of open open a part of yourself and let, letting that kind of you or letting a bit of yourself into that character as well. So what you um, say is it's one of those you got to feel their motivation, understand their story, and then be emotionally at that state first before then physically. That's how it works for me. Okay. That's how it. That's, that, that, that's how. Certainly, in the last few years, I've, I've, I'm tending more towards, um, and I feel that that. I feel that kind of works for me. I might change my mind. <laughs> no, you can next, <laughs> tomorrow. But uh, but but certainly in the last few things that have meant a lot to me that that, that I've uh, um, tackled that seems to be the way. 
the way in for me. No, I'm asking that because acting is just such a mysterious art form. You know, yeah, you sure you have things that are being taught in school, but you no, know, when you reach a certain technical level, yeah, and and you want to continue improving, like how how, how do you ensure that you are improving in the right way? Because if no one talks about it, no one knows uh, what the hell it is. And no, you're absolutely right. I think I think there is a there is a danger, and there's a it's a constant danger of. Um, becoming stagnant or even starting to uh, uh, regress regress yes um, without you knowing it um, and um, I think being being able to self critique which is very difficult is important because uh, how do you how do you objectively kind of look at yourself and, and and being you know being someone who's constantly criticizing oneself uh, it's just it's easy to kind of lose lose sight I suppose mm-hmm. um, but I think I think always wanting to to find something new always looking for something new and even if you you say well hang on this character is similar perhaps to something I played before find something new there must be something mm-hmm. else something more something new that you can can value add to this and I guess character. maybe a a better question would be, you know, as you being a director uh, now, how will you differentiate a good actor? Oh, well, okay, let's, well, putting labels, just as an actor then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, di- because just, just to clarify, um, the, certainly for the shows that um, uh, Pangdemonium, the theatre company that Tracy and I started and uh, run, um, she's the boss. Mm. Tracy is the boss, she directs all our shows, if I have a, a place in the, the any production as part of a cast, it really is. I'm just an actor, okay. and she, she's the boss. She's, she's the director. Um, but we make a lot of the executive and artistic de- decisions together for yeah. the company for each show uh, in the casting and all that. And yeah. I'll have a say in it. Obviously. Um, so to, to your question as to so good actor versus yeah, a great God. actor, you know. It's very subjective. It really is quite subjective. Luckily, Tracy and I have pretty similar, uh, a pretty similar benchmarking. Yeah, as to who we think might be right for certain roles, uh, and there might be. You know, we've worked with really, really good actors. Very broadly speaking, good actor. But does this mean that this good actor can play this role? Ah, not right. Somehow, something is not quite right. You know. Um, um, hell, case in point, wonderful actress, love her to death, Un Shu An. She auditioned for us on several occasions. And we were like, each time we were like, come on, come on, be good, be really good. And she's really good, but at the end of the day, was she absolutely right for this role? Damn, somebody else is actually more right for it. Mm. So there's these unquantifiable uh, factors that go into the casting of anyone, anyone. Some there's some there's some actors you would go, God, this this is all this actor can do, but this would be perfect for this role, mm. you know. Um, so really, you just have to take it case by case. Uh, um, but for me, I mean, certainly, the, certainly with the way that I've been going, the direction I've been going in, I identify certain characteristics, characteristics about certain actors who are, yeah, I really like the way this actor approaches um, the dialogue or approaches 
um, the, uh, the the scene. Or Are there any common themes moment? between great actors then? Actually, no, not really. No, okay. I, God, like you know. It's very intuitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think intuition is a huge thing. Hmm. Um, but every every actor is different. Really, you know, there's this the act, you know, the my my acting heroes that I grew up with are very different from the heroes that I have now. You know, um, Robert De Niro was my my hero for for years and years. Uh, but even now, I would I would um, concede that he has limitations. Um, of course, he has. Everyone does. Every actor has has limitations. Mm -hmm. um, so so now, yeah, my heroes now are very very different. Um, but you know, you can learn from you can learn from anyone. Yeah. You can learn from someone who's completely new. I think I think stay humble, stay hungry. Uh, no, I mean it still goes back to the point. You know, that it's really just, hard to draw the line because um, no one has been able to write a clear. This is good, right? Right. This is, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I mean, but yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, been I mean numerous, you numerous books have been written about blah, 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 but that's just one yeah. way of one way of thinking, one way of looking yeah. at, and 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 audiences. You no, can't please no. everyone. Yeah. You can't please everyone. No, for sure. Um, so, well, like, if you could, you know, if someone were to dedicate five years of their life, I think five years being a good amount of time uh, to try to be a professional actor, um, how would you tell them to effectively spend their time in this five years? God Almighty. Um, well, if you think it's too short, we can extend the, the time. <laughs> well, I only only because I think hell, I've been doing this for twenty five years, and 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 um, I'm just putting an absurd mm -hmm. uh, number. Mm -hmm. No, no, sure, sure. I think I think without it being sounding corny, uh, you'll always you'll always be learning, studying, and always yeah. be learning, uh, and that's certainly something. I'm trying to keep doing, mm -hmm. not just learning by accident, but actually do, wanting to actively go and study as well. Um, um, and I'm doing. How about, I'm, I'm how about that? Would you that. recommend uh, film school? Oh, sorry, uh, acting. I uh, mean, drama school. I think, I think certainly going to get some sort of formal training will will teach you um, some very valuable. Um, uh, lessons. But is that a better spend of time? Say, for example, uh, let's take an alternative, which is just working with you for free. Just oh god. <laughs> or I mean, this is also the whole idea of like doing free. doing uh, doing free work for people to learn. And I think it, well, if you take that paying school fees as just why don't you know just do free work and you have gained valuable experience um, and also at the same time put yourself in the industry. Um, there have been. There have been kind of young, aspiring um, actors who have um, approached me to say, "Hey, can I come and uh, some? If you've got some some sort of a mentorship program thing, uh, or, or, or it's a big uh, yeah, or just come and be an intern so I can watch and learn, or I want to learn." Um, I've always <laughs> told them to go away <laughs> because, <laughs> no, because I honestly, honestly, do not feel I'm in a position to teach anybody anything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But comparing that, maybe not you, but uh, comparing school versus a mentor internship. Um, mm. If you can, if you can... Hustle your way into... Hustle, well... Well, it doesn't need to be three years, right? It could be like six be months for, for some different people. There's a limit to how much you can learn in six months. Um, like I said, within, within six months, I think you, you learn certain technical, or one technical year. skills. Possibly. I mean, I took a year's thing because that's, that's the time I gave myself. Yes. If I could have afforded or had been younger at the time um, to go through a whole three-year mm -hmm. uh, course, I, I probably would have. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, you, this begs the question, how much can drama school teach yeah. you? You know, you, it, it, so many promising students have come out of drama school and then not being able to get work. Because that's a whole other thing they will never, it's unteachable how to get work, how to get employed. Mm -hmm. And this was a huge thing for the principal of my, my uh, arts international. They said, mm -hmm. the job of getting a job, the job of getting a job is something that you have to learn yourself. And it's all kinds of these, these, these skills that, that you can't really impart. It's all about your personality, about how you present yourself, and all about that extra something which, that indefinable thing which, uh, which will, get, will get you work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all things being equal, one actor has that extra what? What is it? Expect that, that 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 thing, whatever it might be, yeah. uh, um, um, it's a very, it's just a very unforgiving uh, um, career path, and there's no guarantees. There's really no guarantees. I mean, the fact that um, Tracy and I are running our own theatre company for me, I'm the luckiest actor I know, because. This company that I'm running is generating work, yes, for for the the the, the artists within our, our our industry here. But for me as an actor, hell, if there's a role for me, hey, hey, woo, you yeah. know, uh, I'm I'm really I'm really the luckiest actor I know. Um, so you know, if 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 not for that, I am I'm under no illusions. Yeah that I would be scraping and grafting mm -hmm. and trying to get the next gig and all that, just as I was 20 years ago when I was living in London. No, so I read your uh, interview with Loretta on Deering King, and you seem to have a very healthy awareness to your craft. Um, you know, you compare an artist uh, with a garbage collector. <laughs> Actually, oh, did I, did I, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think a garbage collector, is even more effective. Serves, serves yeah. more to society. <laughs> That's exactly what you say. Yeah. Um, what? I mean, maybe actually, you know what? I would love to have you explain that uh, a little bit more. And following up, following that is how you came to that. Uh, how that what inspired to take that stance? Um, because I think I realized quite, quite early in my, my so-called career that actors, actors in particular, love to talk about themselves. That's why I mean, even me sitting here is very uncomfortable for me. Love to talk about themselves, love to hear their own voices. And I think there is a certain sense of over-inflated self-importance. Uh, whereas 
someone who comes and cuts the grass and someone who comes and clears the rubbish, they are actually serving a real, a real purpose, you know, a useful purpose. You know, society would fall apart without, if the, our garbage collectors went on strike, as, as they often do in London, <laughs> you know, civilization would collapse. We don't need more actors in the world. We just don't. At the very best, yeah, maybe they, you know, we provide some momentary diversion in your life and, and in your day. Uh, I mean, that's why not to be uh, self-aggrandizing, but that's why in the work that we are, we are doing with, with Pangdemonium, we are trying to find stories and find scripts and plays and even musicals that have substance to them. Um, you know, we've tackled, in the plays that we've done, we've tackled um, subjects like, like child abuse, um, like depression, like um, bipolar disorder, like autism, um, things that people don't like to talk mm -hmm. about, but mm -hmm. there are real people in our community living with it, struggling with it, um, and whose lives are, you know, so, so deeply impacted by it. We want to try and create awareness and make people take action and take action ourselves, yeah. you know. Um, so so I, I guess I've just found that maybe that, 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 that is what I can try to do in some meaning, meaningful way. You know, because otherwise it's just frivolous and it's just, yeah. Hey, John, I want to be respectful of your time. Are you rushing? Um, I need to take my son to go for a thing. Uh, by one o'clock, if that's okay. Okay, well, let's try to get it okay. going here. Um, moving to pandemonium. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me... How... Okay, I think there are a lot of people in Singapore who have not experienced uh, theatre. Um, my friend described it as because film has the whole um, visual and thing to sell you, the machinery in Star Wars, even though it's the shit film, you need to watch, not seeing the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to watch it. So, um, for someone who have never experienced theatre, how would you best describe theatre to, to that person? Yeah, I mean, that's a constant um, challenge, certainly for any theatre company, really, to just try to entice a non-believer uh, just to, to be a convert. Uh, and some people have tried it and decided... Oh, it just happens to be one bad experience and oh god why should i pay 50 bucks to go and see a bunch of people poncing around what, what is your what is the angle you would pick i think um hell there's good theater there's bad theater uh, there's anything everything in between and and the different tastes some people want to go their idea of going to a theater a night out at the theater is to sit in a very comfortable air, con air conditioned room and be dazzled for two hours by lots of costume changes and lots of bright lights and some hummable tunes. Um, and that's perfectly valid. If that is what you want, then there is that kind of theater that's available. Um, and then there's very niche uh, you know, genres of theater as well that are completely abstract and even I have no clue what's going on. Um, and there is something for everyone. Um, I mean, certainly, once again, not trying to, 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 to plug Pangdemonium for Pangdemonium, we're, we're trying to tell stories that are accessible, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, not commercial. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to tell stories that are 
seldom told, I suppose. But I think if people are willing to give it a chance, come in with an open mind, with an open heart, you will be impacted by by it. Right. As a, as an audience, what would, um, you know? What do you think like would be the main um, selling point? Is it more like an emotional? Uh, I mean, that being a, a big word. Too. Sure, 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 sure. I think entertainment has to be paramount. Yes. Okay, and it has to, no matter what, you go to a film, you watch a TV program, you can see a, uh, uh, go to a theater, it has to be entertaining. But what does entertainment mean to, a, to different people? Um, yeah, entertainment means a different thing to different people. Mm. For me, uh, sure, I like a good laugh, but you know, I, I, I love to sit in the theater and have the performance rip me to shreds. It will fuck with my mind and break my heart. That is the kind of experience I like personally. Some people go, no, no, after a hard, day work, hard day's work, why do I want to go to the theater and be made to think or be made to feel? I just want to laugh. Perfectly valid also. Yep. But then you got to find the right thing for you. You know, um, yes, the cinema, yeah, you pay $9 or whatever it is and you either treat it to spectacle uh, or, you know, and there, there are all kinds of, all kinds of, of cinema for different tastes as well. Um, but because you pay nine bucks as opposed to 50 bucks, you just like, okay, let's give it another try. Let's give it another try. Uh, you know, uh, Iron Man didn't, didn't, didn't tickle your fancy. Okay, never mind. There's, there's, there's Captain America. <laughs> give that a try. Oh, Ant-Man. Okay, never mind. $9 only. Let's try. No, not so good. Okay. Uh, oh, next year I got Wonder Woman. I'll give it a try. Right, you know, right, you just right, right. you just forever be have this kind of flirtation mm -hmm. with it. Whereas well, some people I know who like oh a bad experience going to see Mamma Mia. Oh, forget it. Theater sh is shit. Theater sucks. Why should I bother? But you give it a chance. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, it seems on the outside that theater is such a huge risk every time you put a play on. And speaking to Loretta, she went that doing that. Um, I would just like to understand that how the economics works behind the the world theater, mm. and in terms of like you know, is it is it do you get government grant? Um, do do or the social sponsorship? But then when is the when is the line being drawn? Or maybe for Pandemonium that let's do this, let's get let's turn this script into a play mm -hmm. when it's however much percent funded beforehand before mm. uh, ticket sales. To be honest, um, we we decide on what we want to stage first. Mm -hmm. um, and Pangdonium, we're the only company that has a, has a, has a season ticket. So we, we, we plan a whole year ahead. Um, like for our 2017 season, we already knew what we were going to do um, at the start of 2016. So right now we're planning for 2018, 2019, because oh, wow. we announced Okay, next year we're doing this and we're selling a season ticket for that. So people commit to the whole season. Uh, that's proved to be a risk, but strategically um, it, it, it was a gamble for us, but it's, it's paid off, thankfully. Once again, Tracy's idea. I, I was very doubtful about it, but she said, hey, come on, let's give it a try. And try it. And year after year, it's just it doubled. Our subscriptions have been doubled. Fantastic. Um, so in answer to the question, we, we, we plan to stage this, 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 and then we try to get funding for it, mm -hmm. whether it's private sponsorships or whether it's uh, applying to the National Arts Council. Um, we're just trying in every way to try and say, hey, we're doing this, would you give us some money? We're doing that, mm -hmm. would you give us some money? And uh, 
it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a tough year ahead, 2017, because the economy is in the shit, and uh, a couple of the sh shows that we're doing are sensitive subjects, yeah. maybe people don't want to touch. So we're like, okay, but still we're going to do it. We're going to do it because we think it's important to tell these stories. Um, and we just hope for the best. How much, how much financial risk uh, one person takes on whenever they want to produce a play? We're looking at, you know, I don't know, um, is it, if you would, if it all goes to shit, no one buys ticket, <laughs> what is the worst one will need to suffer if you downscale the play to however much? God, I mean, every, every production will have its own different um, number, budgets. Yeah. Range? Is that yeah. range? God, it's, you know what, to be honest, anything to do with numbers, I leave Tracy. to the boss. Sure. I go dyslexic when I see an Excel sheet with numbers. I'm like, sorry, I'm just an actor, you know, just give me some <laughs> lines to say. Because I look at numbers. Uh, so Tracy, bless her, she's got left brain, right brain, got mm -hmm. artistic plus the business. That's why she's able to work out all the budgets and all the accounts for all our shows. And she, she budgets it very astutely. Mm -hmm. um, so to to try to keep our break even as low as possible. Um, and yeah, on the other hand, we're just always trying to get funding, funding, please, please, please get begging. I'm big, you know, I'm a professional beggar. I'm not an actor. I'm a <laughs> that's, well, that's my job description. Yeah. Uh, I go and beg for money. Uh, as, a, as a producer now, that's, that's my job. Uh, and it's hard and it really is frustrating and humbling. And uh, sometimes, you know, there's some lean, there's, times when you just feel the world is against you and then you start to complain yeah. start to complain and then you start to think oh nobody appreciates me and all that shit uh, but you know the, the society doesn't owe anybody doesn't owe certainly owe me a living yeah so I just have to keep on trying and mm -hmm. try not to lose the faith okay quick round of questions oh shit uh, what is the book or books you have given most as gift that I've given? Yes. Um, people still even read books nowadays. Um, I, I have a soft spot for um, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, because uh, I studied it at school, um, in secondary school, and absolutely fell in love with it. I think it's got so much to teach us about life and the world we live in, and courage, um, and integrity, and you know, and it's a it's a it's a rites of passage story about three three kids, you know, written from the point of view of a of a little girl looking at this big world around her. Um, very very funny, very moving, and I want to share it with people. It's still a classic. Your favorite documentary or movie? Is there one favorite favorite movie? Oh God, movie! Wow. I, kind of, I couldn't even give him like top 20 list, let alone favorite, <laughs> favorite movie. Um, documentary? How about documentary? that? Documentary, okay, just off the top of my head, yes, there's just, this incredible one called Seven Up. Yes, the UK one. Yes, the UK one. And then they basically film every seven years. Every seven years, a, a bunch of a bunch kids of... that they got together from age seven, I guess, or from birth or whatever it was. Every seven years, they catch up with these bunch of individuals. It's on my list, have not watched I used to, it's, it's, on, it's probably on YouTube, probably you can catch up on YouTube. It's, it, 
it's just incredible. It's just incredible and very moving, actually, because you see, there are some kids who, when they were in like age seven or age 14, were full of life and showed so much promise. And then the next time you see them seven years later, there was this one guy, I think he had mental, mental issues. He just dropped out of society, became a recluse, lived, moved up to Scotland somewhere. He developed this physical uh, oddity. He couldn't walk without like skipping oh. and, and, and jobless. And where, as, a, as a child, he was just full of life and oh. you know, full of joy. Um, Seven up. Seven up. Yeah, just just incredible. I mean, the the the, the discipline and the. I mean, the, the challenge to follow a bunch of people. It was like it's like the, the film Boyhood, but then for real. Yes. You know. <laughs> um, any local film or director that should be given more recognition? Um, Ken Quack. Ken Quack. Ken Quack. Uh, I've had the the good fortune to know and this guy as a friend for some years now. I've had the good fortune to work with him on three occasions, one on a short film called Sex, Violence, Family Values, which was banned, and then eventually reinstated. <laughs> and then uh, one of his uh, screenplays called The Blue Mansion. And then I did a film with him uh, a couple of years back called Unlucky Plaza. Um, very talented writer-director, um, but not under, underrated and underappreciated in Singapore and really should be given be given much more support. So if one were to look at his film, which one should one start with? Um, <laughs> sex, sex, violence, family values. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, what, what have you purchased recently under 100 that has most impacted your life in the last six months? <laughs> what have I purchased for under 100? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, what, are, what are my watches? Oh, we can skip that. We can come back to that later if there isn't any that strike you. A, a big a, a tub of whey protein that I haven't even opened <laughs> that okay. I hope will make an impact on me <laughs> if, I start, <laughs> if I start going to the gym. Um. What is the worst advice you see or hear being dispensed in your world or your circle? Um, the worst advice. The worst advice is um, let's talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if that's even advice. But I just get very irritated. When, I just get very irritated when people say that. No, no, no let's talk about it now. We got to talk about it now. There's no time like the present. <laughs> Any advice for your your fifty one to maybe your twenty? And My 20, 20 year old self. Yes, and and thirty, and place us where you're at. Um, twenty year old probably don't play with your hair so much. <laughs> And, 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 and that's when you're in the army, is that where it is? It was in the army. Because after, after BMT, when I was able to kind of grow it out, I was always trying to kind of put shit on it. And I'm just lucky to have hair. I'm just glad that I still have hair right now. I'm just, just thank that's certainly one thing to be very, very thankful for. When you think of the word successful, who came into your mind and why? 
God, wow. Um, I think of the word successful. Probably Mick Jagger, because <laughs> he's, I don't know what, 128 years old and he's still rocking and, you know, he's still getting the ladies <laughs> and he's still doing what he loves, you know, he's still doing what he loves. Um, I think, you know, if you can do that, and I've always told my two sons this as well, if you can do what you love as your means of making a living, that's success, that is success. Are there any uh, routines or habits that you find important? Morning or evening routines? I don't know about important, but I, I, sadly I've become one of those people who just before bed I'm, I'm on my iPad. That's a terrible, terrible habit. Stop it. I have to stop it. I have, I have to stop it. You have just made me decide to stop it. Great. Um, great advice is to, to not put it in the same room as where you're sleeping. <laughs> That's what I said. Even, even know, the phone. Buy a charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the guy's name who did that great uh, yeah. speech about, um, about millennials? It made, made, made a lot of sense. Yes, made a lot of sense. Yeah, charge your phone <laughs> in the living room. So anything else? Habit. Or routine, morning? Nope. No, that's all right. What are some of the most uh, common misconceptions about you or your work? Oh God, there's, there's loads, there's too many. There's too many. Is to there mention. anyone that you want to clear it? Um, Just for the record. <laughs> that, um, that, I, that I speak Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> because I sweat blood, okay, and I, I, I sweat blood and I shit blood to learn all those lines I had to learn for, all the Mandarin dramas I had to do. Um, um, it was just an, an, an incredibly stressful time for me. Um, so now when I, when I go out and, 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 and people expect me to speak Mandarin, it's always, it's always like, why you don't, like, that was just acting. That was just acting. All right. Um, so, final, last question before we come out to your project. Are there any ask or requests um, for the audience? Any last parting words? <laughs> um, the world's going down the toilet, so you know, treat one another with kindness, and with compassion, and understanding, and um, come and see Pangdemonium shows. All right, yeah, tell me, tell, tell us about the, the, the project that's coming up, what's uh, upcoming. Uh, what, what we're gonna start rehearsals on, right, uh, in a couple of weeks is, um, is a play called um, The Pillow Man, which is a play that Tracy and I did together 10 years ago. And it's one play that people keep requesting for us to, to, to restage. And we've always resisted it. But then we realized last year that, oh my God, 2017, it'll be 10 years since we did it. So 10th anniversary would be good reason to revive it. And we were glad to do it because it's just an incredible script. 
one of the absolute best pieces of writing I've ever read or had the privilege to work on. The, the, the writing will blow your mind. It blows my mind now even as I read it again. The plotting, it's funny as hell, it's scary as hell, uh, and it's, it's strangely moving as well. Um, Can you and, describe um, Pillow Man in like two sentences? A writer of short stories gets hauled in by the police to be questioned in connection with a series of child murders. All right, there we go. Yeah, hey, bring your family. <laughs> Where can people find uh, you or your projects on the interweb? On the interweb, you will probably find me lurking around um, uh, our Facebook page, uh, Pangdemonium's Facebook page, as well as our website, pangdemonium.com. Um, I very, very rarely even dip my toe into my own um, private um, uh, Facebook pages because they were created by someone for me, unknown to me. Um, but yes, me, social media, you know, I'm a little bit antisocial. Okay, yeah. there we go, we're done. Ayo, it's over. So all show notes, links, books can be found on the website brandvictor.com. Like I said again, if you guys can find the uh, Forever Fever or uh, know how to get hands on six weeks, uh, please let me know. Love to watch them. We can watch them together. We can one big family and watch them together. Um, in the coming weeks, very exciting guest. This is Ko Seng Chun. He runs Dignity Kitchen, which is the first hawker training school for the disadvantaged and disabled. You will love this guy. I am so excited. Uh, for him so um, I'll see you guys soon have a great week ahead